कंज्यूमर कॉर्नर ऑन वीकेंड व्यू Healthcare costs in South Africa have increased sharply over the past few years, posing significant challenges for medical aid schemes and their members, as well as creating a cost of living crisis for many consumers. Medical schemes say they are trying to prioritize their members' well-being while striving to keep cost increases as low as possible. ProfMed CEO Craig Comrie joins us on the line to shed light on the complexities and factors driving these escalating expenses and what medical aid schemes are doing to cut costs. Craig, thank you very much for your time. Let's start there. What are you doing to cut costs? Morning, Sivanzile. Absolutely. I think we've seen over the last two to three weeks that all the schemes have come forward with their 2024 um, premium increases. And so what we have um, noticed is that it's anywhere between eight and uh, I see one scheme sitting close to 16%. And so there's no doubt that medical scheme membership is actually adding to the pressures that everybody's experiencing in terms of the, the cost of living. Sure. <clears throat> so I think the issues um, relating to healthcare inflation is one that um, relates specifically to the fact that we are becoming uh, less active in our lifestyles. And so our behaviors are, are driving things like obesity, and along with that comes diabetes and hypertension. And so medical schemes at their core are trying to help people stay healthier um, for a much longer time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so are encouraging better lifestyles, better nutrition, more activity. And while, mm. while they do that, they're also trying to make sure that in the marketplace, people have access to the right amount of care. I think what we've learned um, as well over the last few years and through the years of COVID is that um, it's not always necessary to go and, and get a, a headache checked out by, by a doctor. Um, we were scared of going to the doctor because you might actually uh, catch COVID. Mm. And somehow we survived through that period. And so... The more we learn how to self-medicate when we need to or look after ourselves when we need to, the better it's going to be in terms of of saving those healthcare costs into the future. What perhaps are some of the, the the other drivers? Let's talk a bit about the the technologies, the the, the treatments, the surgeries, and, and and so on that are in fact making um, healthcare or private healthcare so expensive. Yeah, I guess the best example to use is something like we've seen the emergence of a new uh, malaria vaccine. And so a few years ago, you wouldn't just find the malaria vaccine available, but the development and the costs relating to receiving the malaria vaccine are are very high. Similarly would be the COVID vaccine. And so um, if you take, for instance, last year, we might not have had a specific drug that addresses um, uh, uh, cancer. This year we've got it, but it costs anywhere between uh, 300,000 to half a million rand a month to actually get access to that drug. Now, that drug's life-saving in terms of what it can do, um, but wasn't there before. And so naturally what we see is that part of the, the, the healthcare inflation is driven by those, those new technologies, which are already fantastic innovations and, uh, and help people live longer, but come at immense costs. Um, when they first come into the market. Mm. Mm. 
Private healthcare providers are, are often accused of, of not being on the side of, of consumers. What do you say to that, Craig? I mean, is, is there a way, um, you know, when, when you are thinking about the market and, and negotiating rates and so on for all of these, uh, uh, you know, medicines and, and treatments and technologies and so on, um, you know, is is the healthcare, the private healthcare um, industry fighting for, for the consumer so that it does become a lot more affordable than is the case currently? Yeah, I think um, it goes back to the crux of, of what a medical scheme is. And, and many people believe schemes make profits and they aren't designed to do that. In, in fact, medical schemes are owned by the members um, who are, are members of those schemes. So it's actually a non-profit organization. So whatever a, a scheme has left in, in surplus for a year, if, it, if it's possible that they can make the surplus, stays in the scheme to pay for future claims. There aren't any shareholders that need to be paid. Um, you as a member own the scheme. And so if you have that motive, then you start to understand that schemes aren't driven by motive uh, basis. But what schemes need to do and what schemes do annually is they try and negotiate the best possible rates when you go to a doctor, when you land up in a hospital. And, uh, and that negotiation is tough and is usually with the person on the other side that is driven by a profit incentive. And so um, the negotiations are always really quite tough because there's only a few hospital groups. Um, there certainly are only few doctors in our country. And we've seen the rate of doctors to, to our population decline over the last 20 mm. years. Mm. Um, so at the moment, we're sitting on one of the worst rates at about 0.8 of a doctor for every 100,000 in, in our population. That's certainly one of the worst in the world. And we've seen those doctors be uh, targeted by, I mean, recently we've seen the, the Italians say that they're coming to developed countries because they need to fill 65,000 vacancies within their country. And so we've seen similar um, attitudes and, uh, and initiatives from Canada and the UK. And, and so they're looking for, for doctors who have the type of skills and commitment and dedication that our South African doctors actually have. And so more and more we see an exit of these highly skilled people to the developed countries who mm. often have more to to offer to these guys than than we do and so fewer doctors means we have smaller supply and they can charge then um, effectively more and so we we're very cognizant of the supply side of those healthcare skills yeah. in south africa yeah what, what is this ever increasing cost of of private healthcare in in particular mean for uh, you know the, the the broader conversation around universal healthcare, the the national, um, uh, the, the NHI in in the country. Well, yeah, at the core, the NHI is trying to create a, a, um, a effectively a medical scheme that will allow more people to access health at no cost. Um, but the no cost comes with the fact that it has to the the price has to come from the taxpayer in the end, and so. Um, we see in the in a in a public sector currently where private sector puts up their their um, premiums above a normal inflation rate. So we we're looking at ten percent plus. Um, in a public sector, we've seen the queues grow. We've seen mm. many of the facilities really struggle under the burden of of poor funding in the public sector. And so NHI at its core is trying to bring the two sectors closer together to work closer together yeah. for a better overall outcome for the country. So at its core, 
Um, that's what the intention is. I think the problem is in a space where there's so little funding, even in the private sector, um, it's, it's a huge task. And so um, uh, we see the, the designers of the NHI even talk about maybe it'll take us anywhere between 20 to 50 years to implement um, sure. the NHI. Well, in, in, incredible. Um, Craig, we'll have to leave it there this morning. Thank you for your time, Prof. Med CEO Craig Comrie on the line.